Hello there, and welcome back to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews with your two hosts, one man who always listens to Meatloaf to build up some courage, his bread roll, and I'm joined by the man who definitely killed it in the 80s, it's JT. <laughs> certainly did, Fred Roll. Hello, everyone. We're back after a little break, a couple of weeks. Um, one week was planned. The second week wasn't. A bit of a medical emergency. Not involving either of us, I hasten to add, but things went a little bit wrong last uh, Sunday, and I ended up with a scene that sort of re- re- was reminiscent of a scene from one of the... Well, uh, oh, start again. Was reminiscent <laughs> of a scene from this film. Um, yeah. Um, but it wasn't actually me who got injured, but it was quite nasty. So anyway, we're back. It was Bread Roll's choice. I don't think we actually announced this one. I, I did stick it on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, and our Insta. So what are we looking at then, Bread Roll? Well, JT, we're looking at Totally Killer. Um, we were going to do Blood Vessel, for those who remember that far back, but it wasn't worth the breath it would take to review it. Um, although it did have some pretty stylish effects in it. That's about all it had. But then as time went by, and as JT said, he went for his own kind of slasher situation. <laughs> Um, pulled this one out of the hat as it was a fairly new one on Amazon and it just literally pulled out my ass because it put me on the spot. I was like, what are we going to review? And I just remembered the name of this. So we went for it. Totally Killer. Directed by Nadatcha Khan. I probably just butchered that name. Apologies. Um, it stars Kieran Shipka, Olivia Holt and Julia Bowen. Uh, it came out on September 28th, 2023 at the Fantastic Fest and it had its proper debut on October the 6th, 2023. It runs for 106 minutes. I have nothing on budget or box office because it's actually an Amazon movie. I assume, obviously, it had a little premiere at the festival. Then it went straight on to streaming. I don't know if you've got any uh, figures for box office or anything there, JT? No, brother. I've got exactly the same thing as you pulled from Wiki in front of me. So no idea on budget. I wouldn't imagine it's that high. Um, I mean, I'd never heard of this. Um, I did get quite excited um, when I saw old Keenan Shipka was in it. She was in The Chilling Tales of Sabrina, played Sabrina, which I was quite a fan of. So I was like, oh, okay, good to see her doing other things. And Julie Bowen, you mentioned there, she played Claire Dunphy in Modern Family. She was the sort of wife of the main character. Um, and I used to quite like Modern Family. I watched the first few seasons. I mean, there's been hundreds of episodes now. I'm not normally a fan of American comedy, but something about Modern Family sort of gelled with me. And um, yeah, I, I thought I recognised her. So yeah, she was in uh, Modern Family. I don't know what else she's been in mind. Oh, fair. Yeah, I knew um, when I was going for the IMDb, I saw the Sabrina thing pop up. And I remember you saying you used to like that show. Um, I never watched it myself. I remember the really the old school um, the one with Melissa John Hart in it um, from back in the day. And um, yeah, I never watched Modern Family, although I have heard, like, obviously, it is a very popular show. But like you, I'm not a big fan of American comedy, so something never really gets drawn to my attention, but I am aware of it. Yeah, um, I keep thinking about maybe sticking it on in the background, sort of fall asleep to, and maybe watch it. So I think it's still on Netflix or it's on one of the, the streaming sites, because I did used to quite enjoy it. Um, and the dad in this, um, he looked really familiar to me. The, the, the guy who plays Jamie, she's um, the main character's dad. And I thought he looked really familiar. Um, and I sort of looked at his wiki and his IMDb. He was in uh, Peacemaker. He played one of the coppers in Peacemaker, which is probably where I recognised him from because he's done a lot of stuff. But it's mainly B-movies B and other TV shows. But he's just got that kind of familiar face. 
Yeah, I, I always remember him. He was in Scary Movie, which was the parody of Scream, which is kind of what this is. This is like a love letter to the slasher genre, as we'll discuss as we go along. But that's what I always remember him from. I have seen him pop up in a few bits, but like you say, most of it's kind of B-movie stuff. I'll tell you who he reminds me of a little bit. He reminds me a bit of a younger Gary Busey. He's just kind of got that look about him. Um, but yeah, I, I know him from that. I didn't um, recognise him from Peacemaker, although I have seen Peacemaker. Gary Busey. <laughs> we need to try and do one of his <laughs> films at some point. He's been in a few oh. few classics, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah, what a, what a legend. That's a bit of a rabbit hole. That's like a Nick Cage spiral, that is, isn't it? We start going down the Gary Busey route. <laughs> it gets all kinds of things going on. He's certainly a character, isn't he? He certainly is. So um, just before we get started with this one, as I say, this movie is kind of just a love letter to Slashers. I didn't really know anything about it um, until I watched it. I just remember the name and the title said, you know, like Slasher movies. I thought, yeah, that'd do for Halloween. It's the first thing I could remember. But one thing about this film is the killer's mask is really fucking weird. And apparently it was inspired by a mix of Dolph Lundgren and Robert Lowe's face. And I can see the Dolph Lundgren, but I don't know about Robert Lowe because he's got a kind of handsome bloke and this mask is just fucking terrifying. Oh, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, Dolph Lundgren I can kind of see. It reminds me of, um, I fucking know, there's a character, a cartoon character who looks very similar. I can't remember what he's called now. I can bloody picture him, but I can't remember what he's actually called. Answers on the postcard, guys. Um, yeah, it's a strange mask, isn't it? It is kind of creepy, though, in a sort of weird sort of way, I guess. Yeah, it's not it's not one of those masks that's designed to be scary, like a kind of ghost face or leather face, Michael Myers type mask. It's just a mask of a fucking person, well, so to speak, with big shiny white teeth. But um, who knows, you know, it is what it is. But it's quite, like you say, it's creepy in its own right, just because obviously it's got no emotion to it, really. But um, we're going to have a crack at the old synopsis then. So this is coming from Wiki, like usual, and um, goes a little something like this. So, in the small town of Vernon, on October the 27th, 29th and 31st, 1987, three teenage girls named Tiffany Clark, Marissa Song and Heather Hernandez were killed by the Sweet Sixteen killer, each having been stabbed 16 times on the nights of their 16th birthday. In the present day, teenager Jamie Hughes goes to a concert with her friend Amelia on Halloween night, while her mother, Pam, stays at home. Pam used to be friends with the three victims of the Sweet Sixteen killer, and while handing out candy, she is attacked by the killer, who stabs her to death. As Jamie grieves Pam's death, she helps Amelia put the finishing touches on a time machine she created for a school project, and is approached by reporter Chris Dubassage, who tells her that Pam received a note from the killer that she left um, that she kept secret, and the note said, "You're next one day." So that's pretty much the uh, the intro to this one, JT. What were your thoughts? Um, I don't know, the intro, it sort of starts off telling the backstory of the Sweet Sixteen Killer and it's sort of a little montage, but it's played out with sort of dolls and toys, isn't it? And then it cuts to old uh, Kin Shipka, she's getting ready um, and she's sort of saying to her mum, she's going out to this heavy metal concert and her mum's like, I don't really want you to go, I'll get your dad to take you and that's old um, matey boy there whose name has escaped me. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting start, I guess. It, it starts off... I, Straight away, I thought this looks like a TV movie, just the way it's shot and everything. It just seemed quite cheap. <laughs> As we said, we don't know what the budget is, but um, it certainly didn't seem particularly high budget, and it, it didn't really get much more high budget as it went on to me. No, it was shot. And it, um, one thing I will say about it, it's a gripe that I have with a lot of modern-day um, movies, is it just looked too clean. Everything mm-hmm. just looked really kind of just, I don't know, 
clean. That's the that's what I can come up with for it. And obviously, like you say, I thought it wasn't too bad. The little bit with the dolls at the start, I thought it was quite stylish and stuff. And then it cut to the modern day. And straight away, when you see like the street is Halloween, all the kids running across, I was thinking, this is fucking Halloween right here. They pretty much just stole this opening shot from Halloween, which, as you know, is probably done by design because it is a bit of a, a love letter as we find out as we go along. Um, and then we get introduced, like I say, the main character. And straight away, I'm like, well, they're going for the stereotypes here. because She's just a typical kind of rebel daughter dressed up in kind of 80s clothing, which is not a bad thing, but it comes into play a bit later on. Um, and it's just quite kind of, I don't know, clean and very obvious. And I thought, I'm really not sure if I'm going to like this film or not. And there's a few bits that were clearly just obviously foreshadowing, like her mum going on about talking about self-defence classes and all that sort of stuff. I was like, well... She's like, well, I made you take self-defense classes for all this stuff. And I was like, well, I bet you're going to kick someone's ass later with those lessons because it's just a bit obvious at this point. Yeah, clean is a great word, Brad Ralph. She's exactly what it looks like. It looks sharp, don't get me wrong. I mean, I watched it on Prime. It's a Prime film, as we said, and it was in 4K, I'm pretty sure. And it, But yeah, clean is a great word. It just looked too shiny. Um, and when that guy turns up, obviously um, Jamie and her dad, they bug her off to the concert, pick up Amelia, and off they go. Um, and so her mum's there on her own and some trick-or-treaters come, some actual proper trick-or-treaters, some kids, and she gives them some sweets, they go off. And then the Sweet 16 killer turns up at her door. And she, at first she doesn't even question the fact there's a grown man at the door. She's like, oh, you're out trick-or-treating on your own? And she doesn't seem concerned that this guy is, like, fully grown, does she? And then obviously he attacks her and straight away she kicks his ass, doesn't she, for a while. And then she says she calls the police, they've got like an alarm. She's like, oh, the, the cops will be here in a minute. And he fucks off and you think, oh, he's gone. Then he sneaks around the back door and he does kill her. And that did, I wouldn't say it shocked me, but I was slightly surprised that, you know, she died fairly soon straight into the movie. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, this is a slasher movie. They usually open up with a kill of some kind, but the kind of opening went on a little while before we got to this actual kill. I'd actually forgotten the type of movie I was supposed to be watching, to be honest. But um, she does put up a good fight, but she's got a typical American house. It's the size of a fucking mansion. And she's got all these like hidden panels, and she? Like she hits the wall and a fucking pistol comes out like she's fucking Bruce Wayne or something. <laughs> um, and she puts up a fight. And then she's like, I've called the police, you need to go. And the killer just kind of stops, turns around and walks off. And I was like, that was a bit fucking easy. And then he comes in the back door and fucking shanks her and finishes her off. It's like, oh, okay, so she is going to fucking die. Then more trick-or-treaters turn up, don't they? And they just knock and push the door open and stroll in. So, all right, yeah. I know it's America and it's a friendly neighbourhood town, but you don't just walk into people's houses. And obviously they see the body and do the usual, eh, you know, horror movies, scream and run off, and then the police show up. Yeah, and also um, we've been introduced to the Sweet 16 podcast right at the start. I forgot to mention that. Um, and the guy's talking and he's sort of, telling his bit and then they're streaming live from outside the fucking murder scene aren't they oh the sweet 16 killers back and i'm like that's a little bit sick isn't it i mean you know <laughs> streaming a live podcast from outside a murder scene obviously he's trying to get listens but you know we're we're sick and twisted individuals but i don't think we go that far bread roll yeah exactly that i mean that you know puts you know <laughs> even our standards are better than that but um i guess that's just journalism and influencers in general all a bunch of fucking idiots aren't they and they don't really have much respect for anyone or anything especially journalists so yeah it's sick but all he wants to do is get his um his streaming numbers up doesn't he and um find out a little bit later on spoiler alert we do and um then it cuts to the school and this fucking the, the headmaster and this like coach are giving the world's shittest fucking self-defense lesson he's like the coach is going to talk to her and he's like yeah Avoid the knife, save your life. And that's his self-defence class over. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's fairly good advice, but you don't really have a choice if a killer's coming after you, do you, you fucking idiot? 
I know, and also, I don't know how long after the murder is. It looks like it's the next day, and Jamie's at school. And she's like, she looks a little bit upset for about five seconds. I think there's a tear in her eye at one point, and then she just seems completely normal. It's like, your mum's just been murdered, and you don't seem overly bothered by it. I was thinking that as well, because normally these types of films, it's like you get the opening kill, and then it's like a year later or something. Um, Mm. But yeah, this is apparently like, the next day or a couple of days later. And like you say, she's just kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm at school and I'm just cracking wise and chilling out on my friends now and going to build a fucking time machine out of a photo booth, apparently. Yeah, I mean, she talks to her dad as well that night. She comes home from school, I'm assuming, and she's talking to her dad and he sort of gives a backstory of how, like, she was conceived or whatever. And when she they found out that, you know, her mum's expecting her and all that, and he seems pretty chilled out about the whole thing as well. So I'm thinking, right, so your wife, and your mum, you know, she's just been murdered and you're just chatting away like he's just gone shopping or something. And then, like you said there, a friend and a media is building this fucking time machine. I'm like, what is going on in this film? It's so fucking strange. And it's set to go back to the 27th of October, 1987, which is the day before the first murder, I believe, or the day of the first murder. And like... Amelia's just building this time machine like it's just something you do. It's a school project. It's like, right, okay. I know this film's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but building a time machine for a school project, come on. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. I mean, the biggest project I ever got to do at school was I built a papier-mâché boat that f- fucking sank in the swimming pool. A load of crap. I didn't get to build a fucking time machine. Um, but yeah, there you go. Like you say, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek. But I'm, I was just kind of going along with the movie at this point. I was like, I don't have a fucking clue really what this, um, what tone this movie's trying to set, but I'll go along for the ride anyway. Yeah, that's pretty much where I was going with it. And then Jamie meets up with old Chris Dubasage from the podcast. And... Um... He says, was his mum having an affair with that heavy metal person? No, he asked. He, she asked if he was having an affair with her, doesn't she? Because um, her dad is a bit wary of this Dubasage guy. They didn't get on, did they, back in the day? And then that's when he gives her that note saying that your mum had this since 1987 and it's like all crumpled up and she opens it and it says, you're next one day. She's like, oh, okay. Then she just runs off, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, she just takes, like you say, things in a stride. But yeah, I think there's a whole thing of like, was the mum having an affair with old Dubasage? And then was it, there's like, I can't remember, they've got this really weird fucking sheriff who's just like, I don't know, fucking angry at life in general. And she's like um, accusing the dad, isn't she? She thinks maybe he would have had cause to kill the mum for having an affair or something silly like that. Yeah. So they're trying to build up all this stuff. But um, let's move on to the next bit of the old synopsis because it will lead us on nicely. So at night, Jamie is chased by the killer and hides in the time machine which activates and sends her back to 1987. She realises that if she stops the Sweet 16 Killer's original spree, she can save Pam's Pam's life. Jamie, masquerading as an exchange student from Canada, discovers that Pam and her friends were despised by everyone in town as they were bullies. Jamie manages to convince Amelia's mother, Lauren, and a teenager named Doug, her son's present-day principal, to help her. Although Jamie manages to infiltrate a party hosted by Tiffany, she is unable to stop her murdering. Using the trauma um, to bond with Pam, she infiltrates the group and convinces them to leave for the weekend, although this backfires. They end up at a cabin where Marissa was killed in the original timeline. As Jamie works to protect Marissa, Heather is murdered instead, changing the timeline. So that covers a sort of chunk of the movie, but it, obviously she... She's being attacked. She meets up with old um, her friend with his time machine. Then the sweet 16 dude turns up out of nowhere and he chases her into the fucking photo booth and stabs like the slot and somehow activates the time machine and sends her back in time. 
and straight away, I mean, you know how much I love the 80s, the music, the fashion and all that stuff. Um, but this 80s nostalgia thing is being so overdone at the moment on TV. I know like Stranger Things does it and loads of other movies have. And they all seem to think that the 80s was just constantly colourful and fun and awesome. And by comparison to a lot of things today, it probably is. But the rose-tinted glasses are definitely on with these fucking films, I'm telling you. They absolutely are. I grew up in the 80s, obviously in the UK, not America. And I can tell you, it wasn't like that. It was fucking grimy, horrible. You got the shit kicked out of you every day at school. You got like fucking, the teachers were fucking smacking you as well as the, the other kids. Obviously, these days, you can't even fucking raise your voice to a kid, let alone your hand. But yeah, it wasn't all fucking sweetness and light in the 80s. I can tell you that for sure. Um, but the effects as well, when she gets fucking chased into that time machine, I mean, it's pretty bad. She's running and it's just really fucking cheesy chase scene and she goes into the bloody time machine and this fucking special effects when it activates bloody awful aren't they yeah i mean i think special effects a strong word for what it is like <laughs> fucking i don't know it's like someone just put a bit of fucking clip art over the top of the screen and wiggled it around a bit it's fucking rubbish <laughs> one of the funniest parts of this film though i mean some of it's supposed to be funny and it fails miserably i don't even know if this bit's supposed to be funny but there's like a montage when she first goes into the school and also she talks to that fucking whatever she is, receptionist, whatever the fuck she is, and she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm a new exchange student from Canada. My name's Jamie Lafleur or something. She says her name is. I can't remember what she says. And she's like, all right, here you go. Here's your schedule. Off you go. And she's like, uh, right, okay. Do you not want to ask me? No, what? what is this? I'm, no, I'm not interested. Off you go. And just doesn't question her at all, does she? So she's like, she goes into the, the gym hall and um, they're playing like dodgeball or something. And there's like a slow motion montage of people just getting smacked in the face with the balls. And that did make me laugh. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but it certainly was. Yeah, I had a giggle with that bit as well and thought it was quite funny. I suppose it's trying to show that obviously, because there is kind of a running joke here that it's like obviously she's... um. Like, obviously, there's um, the PC stuff. Obviously, language is a bit different back in the 80s, as we all know, compared to what it is these days. And she's there, like, constantly saying different, oh, you can't say that, that's offensive and everything. And at first, that's funny, but that joke really wears thin all the way throughout the fucking movie because she never shuts up about it, it seems. Um, but it is quite funny to go back to the 80s and just realise just how casual she... Again, shit like that, you know, there's some stuff from the past that I think is brilliant and I wish it was still like that. But we have made improvements as time's gone on like, you know, data protection and everything, because she, like, goes up, like you say, to receptionists, and like, oh, yeah, I'm just from this school. And they just take her word for it, and it's like, well, she could be fucking walking around with fucking Uzi, like, you know, she was love schools in America, don't they? And, um, or she could be anyone for that matter. And then she's asking where people are in class specifically, and they're just giving her the information. So it's that kind of, they're probably trying to comically juggle, like, how ridiculous things were compared to today on both ends of the spectrum, but it does get a bit mired as the movie goes on. Yeah, it does. There's a few bits, like you say there, where you just like, oh, shut up. But yeah, that's exactly what they're trying to get at. And obviously it turns out that as the synopsis are there, her mum was an absolute bitch in school and all her friends and that were bullies. Um, but why has one of them got a hat on? They're doing PE. One of them's wearing a little fucking hat, which I thought was a bit <laughs> random. Um, and then she goes up to those fucking shit coppers and one of them is the current sheriff's dad and she tries to tell them, obviously, there's going to be a murder tonight and they're like, what the fuck are you on about? Shut up. She's like, have you never seen Back to the Future? And they're like, no, don't like time travel films. Obviously trying to, again, be a bit funny that this is a time travel film. One of them's like, oh, yeah, they never make sense or something. And I'm like, yeah, that's just trying to sort of poke fun at this film. Like I said, it is a bit tongue-in-cheek. But again, it sort of doesn't really work for me. 
No, it was, like you say, it's probably trying to be quite self-aware and it kind of falls down a few times. And I think it's mainly because none of the actors are actually very good. I mean, I didn't see this particular girl in um, Sabrina. But one thing I was thinking is, like, are they doing this on purpose? Because I don't know how old she is, but in some scenes, it looks like she's like late 30s. And other scenes, she just about looks like a teenager. And as we all know, these like, old slasher movies, they always hire people in like the 30s to try and play teenagers in these movies and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, was that done on purpose? Because that just isn't flying for me right now. No, she's 23, um, Keelan Chipka. Um, I did double check that before I said anything about her. Yeah, she's 23. <laughs> so she's, she, she's not that old, but she's not in her 30s. Um, but yeah, then she, she goes to Amelia's mum. I can't remember what her name is there. The synopsis did say it, but it's totally fucking skipped my mind. Then she says, oh yeah, Pam, isn't daughter, it? Pam, yeah. She, your daughter's trying to build a time machine and whatever. And she doesn't even really seem to question it. She says, oh, I've got this book. And she's like, no one knows about that book. And she's like, well, that's how I know. She's like, all right. And the next thing, they're at the time machine. And um, it's like, I know that secretary was shit and she let her just wander into the school, but how if they just walked out of school and no one's fucking noticed or questioned it? It doesn't even show them walking out, does it? The next thing, they're just at the fairground. It doesn't, like, considering everything that's going on, I mean, if I'd have gone back in time, I mean, I've always wondered what it'd be like to go back in time because they're you know, sci-fi nerd and just interest and everything, but I'd be so fucking, like, I wouldn't have a clue what to do the first thing. I'll, if I went back to, like, the 80s or something, I wouldn't know what I'd want to do first. But, like you say, she's just kind of strolling around, chilling out. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know there's a killer around, but what does it matter and all this shit? And, like you say, everyone just seems to be quite casual with everything that's going on. Yeah, they do. And then they go to that fucking party and they're trying to get into it. It's just like she sees her dad, obviously, in his teenage days, and he's pretty ripped. Um, and there's the sort of, Joke at the start where he's got his Halloween costume. He says, "Oh, I'm Zac Efron." He's got this fucking t-shirt on with like abs on it. But I mean, he, he was quite ripped back in the day in his teenage years. But then she tries to get into this party, and I can't remember his name. I think it might be Randy, one of the guys at the party. He's got the fucking craziest flat top ever. I mean, fuck me, that thing was shaved <laughs> with a ruler, wasn't it? It's so fucking flat. <laughs> he chucks her out, and as she's led on the floor, he lets off this massive burp, and it goes on for about thirty seconds. It does, and that, like you said, that fucking flat top, fucking out. I thought, I need a shame with that haircut. I mean, fucking hell, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And one thing that, I don't know why it annoyed me, but things like this do, like, she's got on, like, this kind of, I mean, it's the 80s, she's got on, like, I think, white or pale jeans, and she's got, like, a white leather jacket. And he, like, he needs a big dude and everything, the fucking jock. He throws her down on the grass, and she has no grass stains on her. I remember getting grass stains all over the place as soon as I got playing in grass back in the day and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, you're wearing white, and you've got no grass stains on you. That's fucking annoying. That's a good point, yeah, I didn't even notice that. But she manages to get into the party then. I can't remember, I think she meets Doug, doesn't she, um, who's also been thrown out because he's a geek and no one seems to like him. So they climb over the fence and they get in. And then obviously we say there, Tiffany's body, or Tiffany um, gets killed. She listens to the podcast briefly and it says, Tiffany's body was found in the garage. She goes off to the garage to try and find Tiffany to stop her getting killed. But there's two people in there making out. She's like, oh, shit. So all while this is going on, Tiffany's been making out with um I can't remember his fucking name now, upstairs on this waterbed. And um he he goes no, she goes off to the toilet, doesn't she? And she's like, oh, when I come back and she comes out and he's not there and she's like, Oh well, okay. Then the killer comes out with that bloody stupid mask on. She still thinks it's the guy she's making out with. He's like, If we're gonna have sex, you're gonna have to take that mask off. And then he just starts fucking stabbing her and like this scene is kind of brutal, but shit at the same time. Some of the, the stabs look quite bad, but like 
as in shit, but some of them actually look quite gnarly. It's a really strange fucking way of doing it, I thought. Yeah, I thought that was some of the kill scenes in this. Like you say, some angles I hear in there, I was like, oh yeah, that looks pretty fucking like brutal. And other ones, they just look really, like he's not even anywhere near it, or the stab just looks so fucking CGI and crap that it just like takes you out of the moment. But one thing I did like about this scene is he's stabbing her and Lady in Red's playing. I thought that was yeah. quite stylish, Um, just with that sort of little melody going on in the background. But um, yeah, it's a bit weird. Another thing about this film, like obviously she's come back in time and she's got obviously her smartphone with her, but it's still got batteries, so it's working. Obviously there's no signal because there's no Wi-Fi and shit back in the 80s and stuff. But I was thinking, and they're like, you, you need that to power the time machine. I was thinking, fuck me, you've gone back to the 80s and everything still revolves around the fucking smartphone. And how lazy did the writers get with this bloody film? <laughs> yeah, and I thought there's a scene a bit later on when she looks at it and it's still got 33% battery. And I'm thinking, it's an old iPhone as well. It's like an iPhone 8, possibly. And the battery life on those things was shit. I had one. Um, and it seems to go on forever. And obviously, being in 1987, there wouldn't have been phone chargers. So I don't know how she's keeping that phone going, but she does. Um and then those fucking shit coppers turn up, the ones she was trying to convince earlier that there was going to be a murder. And she's like, I, I pretty much told you there was going to be a murder. And they're like, well, this is a sleepy town. Nothing ever happens around here. But shit started going down since you got here. Sort of pointing the finger at her a little bit. And um, then she just walks off. And they don't stop her, do they? She's just like, all right. And off she goes. And she meets up with her, her mum. And she starts talking to her. And she says, oh, I'm a psychic and everything. And I, I know that, you know, these murders are going to happen. But... I'm thinking these coppers are just letting these kids just walk off. They're not fucking stopping them. There's obviously a murderer on the loose, but they're not paying any attention to what's going on around them. No, they're not. And they're, like you say, they're so fucking stupid. And no one seems to be held to account or like put into questioning or anything in this movie. Everyone's just kind of like, again, like very casual of everything. And um, yeah, they sort of like sort of carry on as she kind of like gets her way into like the sort of friend group and everything. And then they end up going to like this um, cabin, don't they? And they'll get sort of getting stoned. And she thinks it's just going to be the girls because she's like, oh, yeah, we need to go to the cabin. Oh, no, we need to get away from the cabin. She knows that's when the murder's going to happen. So she's like, let's go to the city or something, go to your condo. So they said they're going to do that, but they end up actually driving to this cabin because one of her friends is apparently really dense and thinks it's what a condo is. So they end up in this cabin, and then all the boys and everything turn up, and they all start getting stoned and everything. And there is quite a funny bit here because um, her mum, obviously the younger version, is um with her her dad, again, the younger version, they're all stoned, and she cuts her hand. Because they're stoned and fucked up, they don't know what to do, so they try and patch it up with a slice of bread. I thought that was fucking hilarious, like sandwiching her hand with this fucking loaf. It did make me laugh. I watched this again earlier, as I said to you, before we started recording, and um, that bit did make me laugh. She's like, am I going to die? He's like, I don't know, I just need to find the bandages. And he's sort of opening all the covers. The next thing, he's putting two slices of bread on her hand. <laughs> okay yeah fair enough um this whole scene in the cabin though is so fucking shit isn't it i mean they kick her out because she's being boring she's obviously trying to save their lives but they don't realize that they're drunk and stoned and they're like oh we're locking you out for being boring and then it's all kicking off inside the cabin the killer's in there and she's banging on the windows trying to stop people one of them i think it might be heather she's making these fucking cocktails or it might be marissa actually i'll get them all confused they all look the same to me um, but she's making these cocktails, and it's 99% vodka, and she puts, like, a little splash of orange at the top of it. I'm like, fucking hell, no wonder you're all wasted. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And like, there are, some of them are out in the hot tub. Some of them are, like, fucking around literally in the house and all that stuff. And then you've got old loaf hands in the fucking kitchen. All that stuff going down. 
Um, and obviously the killer turns up and kicks off and does all that shit. But I did, I had a, um, a theory about this film. It wasn't, it didn't work out in the end, but um, my theory was, because obviously in these time travel movies, everything's always on a loop, isn't it? Because it's almost like all time is happening at the same time. So if you go back in time and do something that affects the present, they sort of touch on that. And they're like, oh, you only, the killer's only started turning up when you turn up. So I thought, wow, maybe this was always supposed to happen. And the reason the killings happened in the past was because she always brought the killer back with her. That was always going to happen or something like that was, um, was what it was going to be like. It doesn't turn out like that. There's a killer in the past. There's a separate killer in the future. But I thought it was going to be something about the time travel loop that she will always come back in time. And that's when the killings will start. So she has to find a way to break the loop. But my theory went completely out the window with that one. I think you thought far too much into it, Brad. Well, I don't think the film's <laughs> as te- technical as that, is it? But yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point to be fair. But one thing, like we, I said earlier, some of the the, the murder scenes are pretty shit. Um, there's one bit here where Heather part she's passed out on the bed, and the killer comes in and he picks her and he chucks her down the stairs, and she that actually looked fucking gnarly. Like she smacks her back, and I think she might even break her leg. She falls down the stairs. Because then she's crawling away from him and he stabs her up a bit. Um, and again, that looks pretty sketchy. But the bit where he chucks her down the stairs, that looked fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah, I thought that as well. Like, like you say, certain bits like that do look really good. And you're like, oh, fucking hell, that's quite gnarly. But unfortunately, most of the movie looks fucking dreadful. But obviously, he comes in and he kills the, the wrong person because she's obviously said, oh, if we go here, it's going to be um, uh, Marissa who dies. Um, but Heather gets um, killed instead, don't they? And they do kind of put up a fight. Like her dad, the younger version, he sort of comes in and obviously tries to fight the killer, but he gets fucking stabbed for his um, troubles. But he seems to shrug that off pretty well. Like first he sort of falls down. He's like, oh, I've been stabbed, man. But the next thing you know, he's up and he's fucking fine with it. So I know you've been stoned, but if you got stabbed, mate, I think you'd be in fucking more pain than that. Yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah, he does take, obviously, one in the shoulder, which is going to be fucking horrible. And yeah, the next thing, he's, he's up and he's having another go at him. I'm like, okay, and then... The killer just runs off. And then the next scene, they're in the police station. I don't know if this is going to be the next bit in the synopsis, but I'll mention it anyway. And Jamie's got the, the killer's DNA because she whacks him with a bit of firewood, doesn't she? And um, his nose starts bleeding. Somehow she's managed to get his blood on a paper towel. I'm not sure how she managed that. But she takes it to the cops and she's like, you need to check his DNA. And they're like, DNA, what's that? And she's like, oh, you put it on the World Wide Web. And they're like, oh, your DNA in the World Wide Web? Obviously, it's 1987. They've got no idea what she's on about. And I suppose that is quite clever, the fact that she's trying to obviously use technology from her time. They've got no fucking idea what she's on about. So that does sort of work, I suppose, in the context of the film. I think it does. But at the same time, I'm thinking the late 80s, they must have had forensics back then. Surely they knew what things like DNA and that. Well, I know these cops Mm -hmm. are thick as shit. Obviously, just probably done for trying to be slapstick comedy, but it just comes across as annoying more than anything else. But it's like, come on. I know, obviously, the internet, as we know it, what didn't exist back then, especially not, obviously, browsers and stuff. Um, Or any of that stuff. But they must have known what fucking forensics were and collecting evidence, dusting for prints and everything. And maybe it's just showing that these cops are so incompetent. They are just thick as shit. But... The whole bit was obviously, I know it was meant to be like sort of funny and tongue in cheek, but at the same time, you're kind of like, come on, these are police. They wouldn't know how to do a fucking, you know, seal off a crime scene and dust for prints and all that stuff, at least. Yeah, they are a bit too fucking shit, aren't they? And you're right about DNA. I'm sure, like, I, I just tried to Google it, but for some reason it didn't work to see when DNA was sort of first used, but you would have thought it would have been pre 1987. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So now, on Halloween night, the group reconvenes at the amusement park while Lauren works on turning a popular attraction into a makeshift time machine for Jamie to travel forward. But in the present, 
Chris helps Amelia fix their time machine as they realise the timeline is changing. The group lures the Sweet Sixteen killer into a haunted house where he attacks them, only to be impaled by Kara, the future town sheriff, with a scythe. Doug is revealed as the killer, seeking revenge on the group for the death of his girlfriend, Trish. Marissa reveals that she, Tiffany and Heather got Trish drunk one night and let her drive home, with her dying in an accident. Pam, however, was not present. As Jamie wonders why Pam received the note, the second killer appears and slits Marissa's throat. This bit was weird because throughout the movie, like at the start, even when he was fighting the mum in like the kind of opening scene and then in the past, like this killer's been stabbed and sort of like sort of shanked a few times, but he just seems to shrug it off. So I don't get, obviously, it turns out to be just two regular humans. And I mean, obviously, Michael Myers is all fucking whatever. And so is Jason and they can all shrug it all off. But I'm thinking, how can he take a fucking knife in the shoulder and get all this batter in? and still manage to move around so well. He doesn't seem to sort of suffer any injuries, does he? Even though he has actually been stabbed, we've seen it. I thought the same thing. Yeah, he has been stabbed. He's been smacked about a bit. And then every time you see him, he looks completely normal. Um, same as her, her dad, the teen teen version of her dad, who seemed... Although when we saw him at the police station, when Jamie had the DNA, he was there with a thing on his shoulder, but he didn't seem that bothered by it. Um, yeah, it's a bit strange, isn't it, that? And we also get a scene here. There's been a bit of a sort of wild goose chase with this geeky kid. I can't remember his name, but he's been a bit weird at school. And she breaks into his van, doesn't she? And it turns out that he is just a geek. And he's um, and Doug's there as well. And that's when he says about Trish, I think. Um, but it's a bit strange as well, because she, she's walking around. She breaks into his van. She's got a random plunger in her hand. I don't really know why she's got <laughs> it and where she got it from. There doesn't seem to be any explanation to it. I don't know if I missed something. I- I don't know. I mean, I watched this over a week ago, so I don't remember where she even got the fucking plunger from. But like I say, she whips it out of somewhere um, and cracks into his van and everything. But like I say, she just no one seems to be questioning anything. She's just fucking strolling around. A new girl in town claiming she's from Canada of a stupid name. Um, and yeah, breaks in. I love the way he comes in and he says something like, you can take whatever you want, just don't take my Thundercats or something like that. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, that is quite funny. And the bit where they're um, obviously in the haunted house and they're trying to sort of, they use Marissa as bait, don't they, to try and get the killer in there. It's obviously done for jump scares because there's a few like little things that happen in the haunted house and he jumps and then it all kicks off. And the bit where the scythe goes through the um, the killer's back, I thought that was quite gnarly. That was one of the better scenes. Yeah, yeah, it was. And um, obviously he comes in and they obviously they're all kind of like fighting him and everything. And I was thinking... He's pretty much just, again, just fucking taking all these guys down. And they're only, like, just stupid teenagers and everything. But, like, he's proper hammering them. And I was like, oh, this is going, you know, not very well for these guys. And then, like I say, he gets the side through the back. And I was like, okay, that's all kind of, like, said and done. He died a bit quickly. And then, obviously, we get the reveal. Another one pops out behind them um, and slits the throat and then buggers off. So it's like, okay, so there are two killers. And then it begs the question again. It's like, did he come back in time with her when she came back? Or was there always two killers? So that's obviously the next mystery we need to uh, unsolve. Yeah, I mean, obviously we knew that wasn't going to be the end. A, because of the running time of the film, there's still 20-odd minutes left. And B, it's never that easy in these films. There's always a, another killer or he comes back or something else happens. There's always a false ending, isn't there? Um, I mean, he comes back. Obviously, the other killer comes. He slits old uh, Marissa's throat, is it? And then... It's a bit strange because they, they chase each other around a little bit and he comes back and he, he stabs the body again, which is already dead on the floor. I'm not really sure why he just starts start stabbing it again. He's been led there dead for a good few minutes and he just goes back to it and has another go. I suppose it's a whole sweet 16 thing, is it? Doesn't he stab them, make sure they oh, get stabbed yeah, 16 maybe. times or something? That might be, I don't know, but it probably is. It might not be, I'm not sure. Could just be really shit writing. 
That's a good shout, though. You're right, actually. I didn't think about the whole Sweet 16 things. Maybe he hadn't quite managed 16 stabs, so he has another go to make up the numbers. I'm not sure. I just thought it was a bit strange. He just goes back to it and just has another little go. Well, yeah, you would have thought you'd have more important things at the moment, because obviously they're on his case now, and they've got, obviously, some weapons. They've got that bloody great big scythe and a few knives and stuff, and they're running around after him. So you'd want a hot tailor hour there. So now the second killer chases after Jamie, killing Chris's father along the way. That's actually quite funny. He just runs up and stabs him as he's reporting the news. Um, The two face off in a new time machine as it activates, and the killer is revealed to be Chris from the present. Doug was the original killer, but Chris murdered Pam and forged the note in order to generate more content for his podcast. The two fight, and Jamie kicks him into the spinning machine, killing him. Upon returning to the present day, she finds that Pam is still alive. Since Jamie's parents got together earlier than they had originally planned, she now has an older brother named Jamie, and her name is now Colette. So this, I can't remember the name of the fucking machine they're in, the big fairground ride or anything, but it's... A really weird setup because it's like when it's activated and spinning, you're only safe when you're in the kind of the operator's pouch. Everything else is spinning so fast that you just get obliterated. And I'm like, well, I know there was no health and safety back in the 80s, but even fairground rides weren't that dangerous. No, it's called the quantum drop. And um, they, they do manage to commandeer it quite easily, don't they? They just wander into it and the, the ride's just finished and the operator's like, okay. And they're like, yeah, um, I think they say health and safety. Or they, they said the ride's got to be shut down. He's like, all right. That means it's being shut down. I'm going for a break. He just walks off. Doesn't question it at all, does he? <laughs> There's no protocol or anything, is there? He's just like, yeah, I'm happy with that. I mean, fucking hell. And he's probably not being paid very much to run a fucking fairground ride, so he doesn't care. But even so, two te- two random teenagers coming and go, oh, yeah, I'm for health and safety. I'd raise an eyebrow at that. Well, this whole fucking last scene, though, it's, just, it's so bad, isn't it? They're in the quantum drop and it's spinning. Jamie's mum just appears. She's in there as well, and the, the killer's in there, and they're all fucking sort of stuck on the wall, and they're trying to get to each other. Jamie's mum gets stabbed, and he just chucks her out the fucking the door. She off she goes, and then his mask gets pulled off, and it turns out it's Chris. And then he's he, she, um, Jamie's in the middle, isn't she, in the operator bit, and he walks up to her, and does he stab her? Or does she stab him? I think she stabs him, but he pulls the knife out, and he's like, "Now I've got two knives." And then she just, what does she even shoot him with? She pulls out this fucking weird gun thing, shoots him a few times, and he goes spinning off into the wall of the quantum drop and explodes into nothing. Literally just disappears. He does, yeah. And like you say, he comes in, she stabs him in the arm, and then he pulls a knife out. He's like, I've got two knives. And it's like, again, you've just been stabbed with a fucking arm. I'm sure that would hurt. And you're just acting like nothing's happened. Then again, she pulls a fucking nail gun out of, what, her ass or something and blows him away with it. And it's like, fuck's sake, what is going on? It's worse than the video game. But you say he goes flying back and just explodes. And then she comes back to the present time um, and obviously she goes home and her parents obviously look in much kind of better condition and nod to Back to the Future, this one. Her dad's all dressed up in a suit and all that sort of stuff's going on. And then her best friend appears and then obviously her best friend's mum, who was the younger version she met in the past, turns up and gives her a notebook and it's like, here's everything that's changed. It's like, well, how would you know what's changed? Because you haven't lived this life yet. You weren't present at this point to go back and learn all this stuff. So how would you know what's changed for her over the next kind of like 20 years or whatever it is, 30 years? I shit in it. And she, she sort of flicks through the pages of the book and that's sort of a montage of how all the people turned out. And then that's as the titles are rolling. That's the end of the film. Um, yeah, a strange ending. And her parents don't even seem to question the fact she's covered in blood when she gets home. I mean, it's Halloween. I think someone even says, oh, good makeup. And obviously it's real blood because she's just had a, a fight with old 
Chris that no one knows about. And again, the fucking effects, if you want to call them that, when the quantum drop sends her back home is so fucking bad. <laughs> it's fucking dreadful, isn't it? And then we get that kind of like, always oh, that uncomfortable, weird thing that they do in these movies. Like, she doesn't know she's got a brother. And then he turns up and he's obviously a handsome chap and she suddenly gets a wide on. Then um, the woman sort of turns like, no, no, that's your brother, Jamie, and you're called Colette. And she's like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah, none of that fucking weird back to the future shit now. Sleeping with your family in the past and the present, none of that. <laughs> no, not at all. That could have been a whole different film. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's a strange ending to a strange film, to be honest. It is. So on that note, I think we should wrap things up and give this one some scores. So as it was my choice, I'll, uh, I'll go first with this one. I'm looking so, forward um, to this bread roll. <laughs> well, as I say, I kind of pulled this movie out of my ass at um, like a last minute thing. So it's the first thing that popped into my head that I'd seen that I thought might be watchable. And the fact that it was on Prime has made life a lot easier for us because we're still looking at a Halloween-y style movie. Knew nothing about it going into it other than it was some kind of modern slasher movie. So I kind of knew the bar was going to be pretty low anyway. Um, yeah, and I was watching it. And i got to say, like, I was watching it on a Sunday morning and I was like, or a Saturday morning, I can't remember which day, but... I was watching it, I was like, all right, this movie's kind of flowing along all right. I'm not disliking it. And there were parts of it that did make me giggle, but I was like, man, this the thing that ruins this movie is, again, like we said, it's too fucking clean. And the effects, oh my God, they are fucking rubbish. I mean, the call them effects is like an insult to special effects workers. They just look crap. Um, and all the actors are not particularly good. I mean, no actors in these types of movies are ever that good because obviously it's B-movie stuff, isn't it? But I think it was trying too hard to be cool. And although it was good to see a couple of like little references to older movies um, and sort of like pop culture stuff, this movie was trying too hard to live on that. As I said earlier, the whole 80s thing with the rose tinted glasses. I mean, I love the 80s, love the music, the fashion. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff about that older time style or time period that I prefer over the modern day. But the 80s was dirty, it was gritty, it was dingy. There was no health and safety and all that sort of shit. So this whole kind of thing of making it look like it's some kind of like fucking fever dream or something or like fucking, you know, happy drug trip. It's fucking ridiculous because it wasn't like that. And they're just trying too hard and too many shows and too many movies to push that at the moment. Um, yeah, it was just a bit wank. <laughs> it was just basically Halloween crossed with Back to the Future there's already much more I can say other than that. Um, some of the gags were thin really quickly. Some of them were kind of okay. The soundtrack was quality. I mean, 80s music, as I've said, I absolutely love. And there is a pretty decent soundtrack running through this. And at its core, it is just a love letter to the old slasher movies, but it doesn't do it very well. Like, seriously, the, they took off the swearing and the little bit of, like, random blood that we see here and there. This would be like a fucking Nickelodeon show. But it just looks that fucking quality of filming and effects that just looks so cheesy and low budget that it could have just been like a fucking a teen movie instead of like a horror movie. Um, would I watch it again? I probably would if someone suggested it. I probably wouldn't go out of my way to watch it again. Certainly not of other things that are on offer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't particularly a long movie. I think it had a running time, what was it, about just under two hours or something, but it did feel like it was starting to drag at some points. Um, and it might just be because of how annoying all the characters were. So I'm probably going to give this one two others. As I say, it's just trying too hard all the way through, and it doesn't really have anything convincing about it, least of all the way it's shot. But even the actors and stuff, just they're not engaging, and there's not really anything to hook onto. I mean, the best thing about this movie, as I say, is the soundtrack. And the mask was pretty cool for what it was, but 
I'm not going to rush to see it again. Two others from me, JT. What about yourself? Good stuff, bread roll. Um, what can I say? You fucking outdone yourself with this one. This has got to be one of the worst films we've <laughs> ever done, mate. Fucking hell. And I've seen it twice. I watched it again earlier just to refresh my memory and see if it was any better. And I did enjoy it slightly more than the first time I watched it because I nearly turned it off the first time. Um, Keenan Shipkirk was great as Sabrina and I really liked her in that. She couldn't save this part of shit. It is fucking awful. The effects are terrible. The camera angles are terrible. The, the acting's terrible, even her. It is like a bad TV movie, if you said, and absolutely echo what you said there. The only saving grace for this film for me was the 80s soundtrack. The music is good. Um, there's not anything else I can say. You've summed it up perfectly. I'm not even going to spend much more time on this. Um, I nearly gave this a zero. Um, <laughs> but I'm being generous because I do like Kin and Shipka, and the music was good, but everything else about it was absolute trash. Um it's going to get one other from me, and that's being generous because it is fucking garbage. Um, I I didn't like it at all, bread roll, but it is fun to go and watch these films. Um, yeah, it's it's dreadful. One other from me. There you go, one other from JT. That is being generous. I thought you were going to fucking hate this. I know you're not a big fan of the slasher or horror genre in a whole, um, but yeah, fair play. And you watched it twice as well, which is more than I managed. I was going to try and watch it again this weekend, but I'm kind of glad I didn't because I didn't enjoy it the first time around. But actually talking about it today maybe hate it even more that's why it fucking got two others but um yeah fair play one other good <laughs> yeah like i say there's a couple of things that save it um but yeah it is pretty bad and it, it is trying too hard as you said it i think it's trying to be too aware of itself and that fails fucking miserably it does it just basically falls flat on its face. I would like to know what the budget was. It clearly wasn't very much because a lot of it's made on a fucking iPhone. But um, there we go. That is that movie. We we do these things. But let us know what you think of it. If you've seen it, it's on Amazon Prime. Totally killer. Get in touch with us at the usual place at the Hyperbaric Goats on X. Or you can find us on Instagram, Hyperbaric underscore Goats, as JT is set up for us. Um, so give us a follow on there and share us with your friends. And join us next week for what have you chosen for us, JT? Well, Bedro, I was going to completely stitch you up, and I have got something in the bag, but I'm saving that for another day. Um, <laughs> although this this could be a stitch up for both of us because I haven't seen this yet. Um, it's just come out on Netflix last week, I believe. It does start the Foo Fighters, and it's called Studio Six Six Six. It looks. I mean, I'm not a huge Foo Fighters fan. I don't dislike them, but I'm not a big fan. Um, it looks quite random. It's a horror film again. And I'm going to use the word horror loosely because I'm not sure if it's supposed to be scary or if it's just a piss take like this was. But yeah, Studio 666 is the one I've chosen for us next week, Bread Roll. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, I'm aware of this film. I remember when it came out, I think it came out originally on Shudder, which is like a horror movie subscription thing. And I did do that for a little while, but none of the movies on there were actually any good. Surprise, surprise. Um, and this popped up on Netflix, as you say, and I did see it and think, oh, fuck, I might have to watch that just for a giggle. So, yeah, good shout. Put it forward. I'm not a big fan of the Foo Fighters as such, but, um, yeah, it could be an interesting one. Could go either way, like I say. Um, but I do have something else up my sleeve, which I'm going to save. So uh, look out for that one. Oh, God. Yeah, well, get me back for this one. But um, there we go. We're doing Studio 666 next week. So um, tune in, let us um, know what you think of that. And also drop us a line and let us know if there's any movies you think we should review. We've got a list at the moment that we're trying to work through. If there's any that come from um, our listeners, then we try and prioritise them if we can get hold of them. So, um, yeah, just drop us a line at the usual place. And thanks for joining us. This is Bread Roll signing off.
And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. You will become a miserable person, never knowing true happiness, and rocking an unflattering haircut that makes your head look like a ping-pong ball.